Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, you are worthy of all praise, all glory, and all honor. Lord, we couldn't have a story of freedom and salvation without your Son, Jesus Christ. And we will testify to the world of that love and that freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. I just want to take a quick moment. Um, If you've been attending very long, you've heard me say uh, some of the words that I just said many times, and that's all glory, all honor, all power, all praise belong to God and God alone. He is the only one worthy of praise, and our heart's desire and everything that we do as believers should be to point and give glory to God. Our worship team, uh, everything we do in sharing the word, our greeting team, uh, the people that serve upstairs in the sound booth and uh, in kids, everywhere that we serve, our heart is to give honor and glory to God and him alone. And as we take the word of Jesus Christ out of this building, I hope and pray that every one of you is bringing honor and glory to God and pointing to him through the life that you live. Amen. 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 Uh, if you are a guest, welcome. We're so glad that you are joining us for wor- worship this morning. If you have any questions, we'd, we're available afterward. There's a small gift outside that we would love for you to pick up on your way out. If you didn't get one on your way in, uh, please feel free to ask any uh, pastor or anybody with a name badge any questions that you may have. Before we get into the Word this morning, I want to share a, a real quick update on uh, just the vision and what we're walking out um, at New Covenant Church. And that is, um, for many years now, we've had uh, two services. We have the, the 9 a.m. and then the 10.30 service. Um, everything about those services is identical except for one thing. And that is that in the first service, we don't have um, NCC kids or early childhood. Um, It's a family service. Uh, Pastor Mike and Elder Mike uh, was just mentioning in the announcements about how uh, next Sunday is a family worship service. And we all know that on on the fifth Sundays, our kids join us, everybody's together. Well, every uh, early service, every Sunday is a family worship service. And so uh, come August, uh, we're planning and making preparation uh, that when school starts this next August, both services will be completely identical and we'll have uh, early childhood and NCC kids in those services as well. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the reasons behind that is that um, as we're continuing to grow and God uh, continu- continues to draw more people, um, the services get out of balance because if you have children and want them in and see kids, this is the only place you can come. And so that will allow us to go uh, for a much longer period of time before we get to a place of needing three services, which would be a, a great blessing of God. But if, if we can, um, for, for all the volunteers, for all the logistics and things that, that come along with that, the longer that we can uh, put that off, the better for everybody. Um, so... As that comes, we'd invite you to, you know, consider you, you'll be able to pick, you know, whatever service is most convenient to you, but also be praying if God would have you be involved in one of those areas. Obviously, as we grow and, and have those services in both areas, we need more people and kids in early childhood. So be praying about if God is putting that on your heart, and you'll hear more about that. Um, one of the other things that it offers is a complete ability 
to attend a service and serve one, whichever way you would do that. You could attend the early service, serve in this one. You could um, serve in the early service, attend this one, um, and just have that convenience and ability uh, to do both and not, not have to pick one or the other because we definitely believe in the importance of gathering together as a body of believers every week and worshiping together, and we don't want anybody who's serving not to have that opportunity. So, again, we'll, we'll talk more about that um, in the months to come, but wanted to, to start communicating that. Well, this morning we're going to continue in the series that we started last week, which is uh, titled, Our Core, Who We Are. And I'm going to take just a moment to talk to you about our vision and mission statement, but um, we won't spend very much time on that. If you missed last week's message, you could go back and listen to that on our website, on our YouTube channel, or Facebook, and I expounded on these a little bit more there, but our focus is our core values, not our vision and mission, so today I'll just read those and and, uh, remind you of those before we get into our core values. At NCC, we invite all people in the communities where we live, to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. And we exist to love God and love people by knowing Jesus who transforms our lives and sets us free, and hearing the voice of God which leads us to the way, the truth, and the life, and responding with faith and courage that leads us to discover His purpose in our lives. And while these are key, as I mentioned, the focus of this series is our core values. And those foundational values define who we are at NCC. And they are the Word of God, worship, unity, discipleship, and integrity. Last Sunday we looked at the Word, and this morning we're going to focus on discipleship. Next Sunday, as Mike mentioned, will be a family worship service. And when we come back the following week after that, we'll pick back up in this series uh, and be looking at worship. But this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at discipleship. So that begs the question, what is a disciple? A disciple is a student, a learner, an apprentice, a practitioner, a follower of Jesus Christ. There's many aspects of being a disciple. There's been countless volumes of books written on the topic. We have highlighted three aspects of a disciple as part of our core values, and those are servant leadership, initiative, and growth. And we're going to look at these three areas this morning, but before we do, I want to address a very common misunderstanding when it comes to discipleship. Simply stated, it's the idea that someone can become a Christian, but doesn't necessarily have to become a disciple. There's absolutely nothing in what Jesus Christ taught, or his early followers taught, that suggests that we can decide just to enjoy forgiveness at Jesus' expense and have nothing to do with him afterward. It's that idea of wanting to be forgiven so we won't have to face judgment, but we have no desire to change our life or follow Jesus Christ. The Bible describes those that choose to follow Jesus Christ in multiple ways. We're referred to as sons and daughters, as servants, as sheep and disciples, among others. 
And some try to separate these from one another, put them in silos and, and believe that we can be one without the other. We have to look at the whole of we have to look at the whole of Scripture. When we do, we will discover when we do, that there is no option that there is no option to be forgiven Christ. not follow Christ. As we walk through the scriptures, as we walk through the scripture this morning, I think it will be made clear. We're going to start in John chapter one. Start in John chapter one verse eleven. That Jesus came to his own, and his own to his own did not receive him. Did not receive. But to all who did receive him, all who believed in his name, who believed in his name, become children to become children who are born not of blood, nor born not of the blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's multiple passages in the Bible that refer to us as being sons, daughters, being sons, children, daughters of God, children. Of God. This passage also makes it very clear that we're born again. Born again that we're born again. We receive life, life, not in our own strength or in our own strength or power, but by the power of working power of God. And this life that we receive, life that we receive, comes to the one who responds to the work Jesus Christ of Jesus Christ. Again, when we take all scripture, take into all scripture, into account, there is then become a child of God, and then walk away from Him, and then walk away from Him. The parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, the very clear. The prodigal was lost when he left the father. It wasn't until he repented. It wasn't until he changed his mind, changed decided his mind, and decided how. Back into relationship, back into relationship with the Father. With a changed heart, with a changed, a changed mind, a changed, a changed soul. mind, a changed soul. Jesus' first command to Peter and Andrew and Matthew and Andrew and Matthew and follow. Him, it says they dropped their nets and they walked away. They left their livelihood, they left their families, they left everything behind in an instant because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had given them an opportunity to follow Him. As disciples, as children of God, we are called to follow Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson describes one of the key principles to successful discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. We're not just called to follow Him once or occasionally. We're called to follow Him for the rest of our earthly life and into eternity. One challenge that we have to overcome is the idea that anything worth or worthy of accomplishing can be done quickly or easily. Nothing comes easy. Nothing of worth comes without work. It doesn't matter if we're talking about our physical bodies, our job, our career, relationships, whether we're talking friends or our spouse. Everything of value requires work and effort. And we have to choose not once, but over and over and over again, committing over and over to that relationship or that task or that skill if we're going to grow and improve in it. 
I was thinking about years ago when I was a regular runner and I decided to exercise in that manner. There was a day that I decided that I repented of an unhealthy lifestyle and I wanted to change and turn to a healthy lifestyle. And I made a mental choice one day. But that didn't do me any good until I started practicing a different lifestyle. And so one day I decided I'm going to try to run. I'm going to try to jog. And at first I couldn't even make it a mile. But as I did it more and more, that distance got further. I got more in shape, healthier, on and on and on. But the key point that I want to make is that one choice didn't make the change. It was the following through with that choice. And every single morning or every single evening that I had planned to run, when the moment came, there wasn't a day that I wanted to do it. There wasn't a time that I said, oh boy, here, you know, it's time. It's 5 a.m. I get to get up and go run. I had to re-choose over and over and over again to follow through with the choice I had made. That's what following Jesus Christ is like. We make a decision. We choose to follow him. But we have to commit over and over and over again if we're going to grow and mature and follow Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard describes it this way. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. And that the most important thing in our life is not what we do, it's who we become. That's what we will take into eternity. So we've defined what a disciple is. We see that the Christian life does not offer an entry-level position. There is no lower commitment alternative to just get you started. Every option of following Christ requires us to become a disciple. And don't forget that a disciple is a learner, an apprentice, a follower in the ways of their teacher. And our teacher is none other than Jesus Christ himself. With that in mind, let's take a look at some of the specific aspects of a disciple. And we're going to start with servant leadership. In John chapter 13, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This occurred right before he would be arrested and crucified. It was one of the last examples, one of the last lessons that he would teach his disciples. John chapter 13, verse 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, knowing his identity, knowing that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father, knowing that he was the King of kings and Lord of lords. John chapter 1 said he was the Word and he was with God. And before anything was made that was made, he is God in flesh, knowing who he was. He wrapped a towel around his waist 
and submitted to the Father's will to serve the disciples and wash their feet. If you know this account, you know that Peter would be regular old Peter. And he would try to refuse Jesus' act of service. He wasn't going to allow Jesus to wash my feet or his feet. And Jesus told him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And of course, then Peter goes overboard in the other direction. Okay, then not just my feet. Wash my hands and my head too. Just give me a bath. But Jesus says in verse 10, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you follow the example that I just set. Jesus taught his disciples how to serve through a living example. Fully knowing his identity, he humbled himself. The disciples weren't willing to serve each other, let alone somebody that they thought was in a station beneath them. And Jesus drilled this point home by saying, Do you understand what I've done that your master and teacher is willing to serve you? You call me teacher and Lord, and that's true, and I have served you. I've given you an example. Now do what I'm doing. You're not greater than I am, but you'll be blessed if you do what I've taught you to do. God presented himself to us in history, in flesh, in the man Jesus Christ And he did it as a servant. And with that before us, it's easy to assume the role of master and attempt to order him around. Peter actually tried to do that in this account. I saw this for the first time as I studied this, that just like when Jesus was saying he was going to the cross and Peter said, no, far be it from you, Lord, to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Once again, Jesus is doing the will of the Father. And Peter says, uh-uh, not me, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Jesus has taken the role of servant and Peter assumes he can take the role of master. And Jesus wouldn't have any part of it. He knew who he was. 
while he had chosen to serve the disciples and give us an example of being a servant, he had not relinquished his identity. He had not relinquished his authority. And he made that very clear in that moment. He shut Peter up in a moment and said, this is something I'm going to do. I'm doing it as an example. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm either going to do this or you're not going to have any part of me. Jesus was a servant with authority. We need to know our identity in Jesus Christ and be so confident in it that we can follow His will wherever it leads. Even if that means serving those that the world would say are the least. Even if it means going to our own cross. We are all servants. You might believe the lie and say, not me. I don't serve anyone. That's a lie. You are a servant to someone. And Jesus Christ made that clear. The only question is, who do we serve? In Matthew 6, Jesus said that no one can serve two masters. We either serve God or we serve other gods. In our modern Western culture, there aren't too many people that we would see actually serving a graven image, bowing before uh, an idol made to look like a god. But while we may not be literally bowing down to an image, anything we put in the place of God is an idol, is another god. And these other gods can be described in a million different ways. Self, pride, money, addiction, lust, or simply my own way. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I am my own God. But all of those fall under the same category of the other master. There's only two. And that's the only choice we have. And true disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, are those who recognize that our real problem is not in achieving freedom, but in learning to serve a better master. And there is only one good master. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we learn to serve Jesus, we will become the freest people on the face of this earth. The next aspect of discipleship is initiative. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 38 paints a good picture of this. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We have to choose. 
I've mentioned multiple times in the last few weeks that the word repent simply means to change our mind. We have to change our mind and choose Jesus Christ over whatever other master or masters we have been following. God has literally offered every human being that has ever lived the same opportunity that He offered to Andrew and Peter when He called them and said to them, Follow Me. If you don't think you've ever heard Jesus' call to you to follow Him, you're hearing it right now. The opportunity is here. You are hearing the truth. You are hearing the Word of God. And Jesus is saying, will you follow me as a disciple, as a learner, as a lifelong student to become more like me? How? We repent. We change our mind. And we take up our cross and follow him. And what does that mean? It means putting to death our flesh, our old way of thinking. If we lose this life for His sake, we will find true life in Christ Jesus. And as I mentioned before, we have to do that over and over and over and over again. And it's not about living a sinless life. Peter is a great example of making mistakes and making the wrong choice over and over He denied Jesus Christ three times after he swore he'd die first. But when he got in that moment, he made the wrong choice. Three times, and it says when he heard the rooster crow, he ran away weeping because it broke his heart. But he repented. He changed his mind and said, I messed up, God. But I want to follow you again today. It's not about being saved and and making one wrong choice and now you're not saved and now I'm following him. That's a struggle that I dealt with for many, many years that I thought I was losing my salvation and getting my salvation and just going back and forth. And that's not what was happening. I was making the wrong choice. Many times the same wrong choice over and over. Uh, Paul said, I do the things that I don't want to do and what I do want to do, I don't do. It's a struggle and we have to choose over and over and repent over and over. Not the salvation repentance, but saying, God, I can't choose the right thing on my own strength, in my own power. I need your grace, your power, your Holy Spirit to enable me to live the life of a disciple so that I can follow you. And by his grace, he will give it to you. But the idea that that doesn't take effort is a lie. Everything of value takes effort. How do we think that the most important thing in all of eternity, following God as our Lord and Savior, that that won't take any effort? We want the easy way out. We want the pill that will fix everything. It doesn't exist. Jesus said the answer is follow me. It's the only answer. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, To be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
Both of these are showing initiative, taking the first step, following Christ, taking up our cross, imitating another disciple as they imitate Christ. We saw initiative this morning, two people choosing to be baptized, to be obedient to the first command that Jesus Christ gave all of His disciples. Once you choose to follow Him, the first commandment was be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, let us know. You can do it next week. Anytime that you see the baptistry, we're having a baptism. Or we did in the first service. One of the services is having a baptism. That's an act of obedience, a step in the process of being a disciple. We need to be willing enough and bold enough to take the next step of obedience that God is calling us to. For some of us, that may be baptism. For others, it may be receiving Jesus Christ and starting on this path of discipleship. And remember, that word just means to follow Jesus. To be in a relationship with Him. An apprentice to Him. A learner of Him. And we walk this path as believers together. The last aspect of discipleship is growth. And we could say that this is a process or a training. In Luke 6.40, Jesus said, A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. If we are following Jesus Christ, we should be becoming more and more like him every day. It's a process. It's a training. And when we are fully trained, we will be more and more like Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28:18 through 20, this is probably the most familiar passage about discipleship. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. I saw something or at least had an idea that I'd never had before as I read that, I thought, what would we do if all authority in heaven and on earth was given to us? What would you do with all authority in heaven and on earth? I shudder to think the devastation that would occur to this world and to ourselves, the abuse the evil that Jesus Christ was given all authority in heaven and on earth. And this is what he chose to do. To empower the disciples to go out and teach up and train more disciples. Who would then be empowered to teach and train and raise up more disciples. He gave the body of Christ the authority to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
He gave them the ability to teach everything, to observe everything that He had commanded. Not just so that we would know about it, but so that we would do it. And then He promised that He would be with us to the very end of the age. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans. You're my children. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will give you the power to do what you're being called to do. That's what Jesus Christ did with all authority and all power. If you look at these passages, they're steps, they're a process of growth and training up in order that all those who choose to follow Jesus Christ will become more and more like Him. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. It's a process, a journey that we are on for the rest of our lives. And in the process of our growth, we are called to invite others along on the same journey to teach them as we have been taught. In my life, I've had four men that I would consider that they discipled me. We're not called to do this alone. And there would be many, many, many that have influenced me, but very few that I've walked along in a disciple relationship. And there's only a few people that you can have that level of relationship. But we are called to be the body of Christ together. All you need to be able to do is know one more thing than the person you're walking with, and you can disciple them in that area. And not just knowledge. Jesus is very clear. It's about doing and walking in it. God reveals things to us and transforms us and gives us victory in areas of our life where we're actually living that. That's the place that you have a gift to disciple. And whoever you're walking may have another area in their life that they've had a revelation and they're walking in victory and power through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. And they can disciple you in that area. Are you a learner of Jesus Christ? That's the gospel. The highest aim for a student of Jesus Christ is to learn to live like him in his kingdom. John 8.31 says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The word abide means to continue, to remain, to live, not depart. If we continue in, live in Jesus' words, then we are his disciples. And that is when we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Growth through learning. Jesus called us to learn from him. And he is gentle and lowly of heart, a servant example, even though he was the king of all kings. And if we will learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. True rest is found in him and him alone. And the only path is the path of a disciple. 
a follower of Jesus Christ, a student of Jesus Christ, an apprentice of Jesus Christ. And as we follow him in discipleship, he will lead us in servant leadership. And we will find that we are called to take initiative in this process and that we will continue to grow and develop as we walk with him. If you walk away this morning with only one thing, I pray it's a fresh revelation that we are called to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Actually doing what he's called us to do. There isn't an option to enjoy forgiveness at his expense and then having nothing to do with him afterward. He didn't live the example life of a servant for us to become his master It was an example so we would serve those around us in the same love that he came to serve us. And we do it by grace and grace alone. The gift of God because we can never earn it. It doesn't mean, though, that we're not called to put forth effort. Dallas Willard sums it up this way. Grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. We can't earn it, but we have to put forth effort. If our physical bodies worthy of effort, if our jobs worthy of effort, if our hobby is worthy of effort, is following Jesus Christ not of so much more value of all of our best, our best effort? As we close this morning in prayer, I just ask that you ask the Holy Spirit what He is speaking to you. What is He telling you this morning? What, what is his voice saying? And I ask you to respond, to follow it. It may be recommitting to a life of discipleship. It may be choosing to repent, to change your mind and commit to following Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe you've never taken the step to publicly profess your faith through baptism. You can come and talk to us about that this morning. Our ministry teams will be available for any of those responses or any other response. The altar is also open just to pray. Respond to His voice and follow Him. Heavenly Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your Word. The Word of God. The Word of God made flesh in Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray that, that our ears were opened this morning, that our hearts of stone were replaced by miraculous work of you with a heart of flesh, that we might hear and receive your word this morning. God, I pray that, that we will be in a renewed walk of discipleship with you, Lord. God, I pray that there would be young disciples, children, Lord, called by you, Lord, that are going to go into our elementary schools and into our middle school, into our high school, transformed by the power of God. Lord, and their witness, their discipleship will change this city. Lord God, you have come to redeem us. You have redeemed us, Lord. You have made a way. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness to proclaim that way. Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.